This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 71, The Mothman Phenomenon, Part 5, Battle for Point Pleasant. To say that 1966 was a strange year for the residents of Mason County, West Virginia, would be a criminally immense understatement. Everything from rampant UFO sightings and one-to-one alien encounters, to animal mutilations, electronic disturbances, and of course, sightings of the crimson-eyed flying humanoid that would eventually put this otherwise humble home on the metaphysical map. Unfortunately for the residents of Point Pleasant, this paranormal superflap was about to focus like a laser beam on their sleepy settlement. Focused in the form of an alarmingly man-like being that would terrorize the townspeople, whipping them into a frenzy unlike anything seen before or since. When last we discussed this story, we left off after the press conference that followed the Scarberry Millette encounter with the winged wanderer. Following this, the first close encounter with the entity, Point Pleasant, and even more specifically the TNT area, became a firestorm of interested residents and intrepid paranormal investigators from all over the country, intent on finding the Mothman in his supposed nesting area. Monster hunting posses of all sizes mercilessly descended upon the former munitions storage area and registered wildlife preserve and unwittingly or not, set the stage for a staggering string of sightings and encounters. On the 16th of November, 1966, only a few hours after the press conference that would send Mothman across the world, the TNT area transformed from a quiet backwoods hangout for teens to a hustling, bustling display of rubbernecking that ended up feeling more like a deranged street fair than a calculated reconnaissance mission. Suddenly, the forest was filled with the fascinated and heavily armed men, women, and children of Mason County. It was against this festive and incredibly treacherous backdrop that our next encounter took place. Nestled within the labyrinth of cement igloos and old-growth forest was a small house that had been included in the fringe benefits received by local field operations CEO Rolf Thompson. While cruising through the TNT area around 9 p.m. on the same night, November 16th, Raymond Walmsley and his wife Kathy were on their way to visit their sister, Rolf's wife, 
with his older sister Marcella and her three-year-old daughter Tina. Assuming that their sister Virginia would be home, they wound their way through the strange and narrow roads. When Raymond began to notice a strange red light floating among the treetops above their vehicle, he was not particularly struck by the anomaly, although one thing was clear to him. It was like no airplane that he had ever seen before. When they arrived at their sister's home, the four piled out of the vehicle and approached the small house. At the door, Virginia's three young children informed them that their mother and father were not home. Disappointed, the group began to make their way back to the car when a gunshot rang out in the distance. Startled by the sudden concussion, Raymond hunkered down and surveyed the scene. Just above the trees, he once again spotted the crimson orbs. He called out for his sister to confirm its existence, but she was distracted by carrying her young daughter. She waved him off and continued toward the car. Reaching toward the door handle, an image crept into her periphery that would change her life forever. A shadow at first, it seemed to stretch across the lawn before reforming into a single humanoid shape at the edge of the property. Later, when recounting the experience to John Keel, she said, quote, It seemed as if it had been laying down. It rose up slowly from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with, with, with terrible glowing red eyes. Terrified, Raymond grabbed his wife by the arm and the pair raced back toward their sister's front door. Fully intent on following suit, Marcella spun on her heels and took a step toward refuge with her daughter still in her arms. Unfortunately, in the split second between the occurrence of escape and that first step, her legs entirely gave out. She collapsed to the ground on top of the helpless three-year-old. She could feel the poor deer fighting to breathe beneath her, but frozen in absolute terror, she could not make a move. In an interview documented years later, she explained, quote, I couldn't get up off of her, and I thought, well, you know, she's dead. I'm killing her. But I just couldn't move. I was in a trance. In a moment, she heard the whoosh of what she assumed to be wings, and her brother hauled her and her struggling daughter from the ground as the dust below her clouded up around her. And he dragged the distraught pair up the stairs and to their sister's door. Turning once again away from the horrendous hobgoblin, Raymond laid into the door. He pounded on it until the terrified Thompson trio answered it. The four rushed in and slammed the door shut behind them. Unfortunately, the supposed refuge of their sister's home would not ward off the horror outside. As Raymond slammed the lock shut on the front door, the unsettling sound of shuffling footsteps cut their relief short. It was on the porch. Raymond raced to the front window to assess the situation, only to be greeted by a pair of blindingly bright glowing red eyes. Stumbling back into the crowd of hysterical women and children, he quickly collected himself and ran for the phone to dial the police. 
By the time the authorities arrived, there was no sign of the harassing horror anywhere. With a forest filled with enthusiastic onlookers, the appearance of a dozen patrol cars and policemen sweeping the area, it wasn't long before they began to congregate around the property. And this was the scene that awaited Rolf and Virginia Thompson when they arrived at their home. And while the evening's events were concluded, this was far from true for Marcella Bennett. Within days, she would be added to the growing list of experiencers seeking treatment for post-traumatic stress. For decades to come, she would experience nightmares and rampant paranoia. She would never drive alone at night again and often spoke of the irresistible compulsion to check her back seat for the glowing ruby eyes that haunted her day and night. She could not shake the feeling that the Mothman was keeping tabs on her for the rest of her life. This paranoia and lingering psychological dread is a key feature of the after-effects associated with close encounters with the Mothman. The month that followed this event would see encounters with the winged beast on a scale that rivaled the pre-Mothman UFO flap. Sightings in Mason, Logan, Lincoln, Kanawha, and Nicholas counties would pour in over the next four weeks. On November 17th, a 17-year-old boy was driving along Route 7, when suddenly a huge man-shaped bird beast swooped down from above and came just inches from his windshield. He swerved to the side and started to slow down in order to collect himself until he realized that the entity had changed direction and was now making chase. He slammed on the gas and the creature pursued him closely with ease for just over a mile before peeling off and vanishing into the forest that surrounded the highway. The very next day on November 18th, two Point Pleasant volunteer firefighters had their own run-in with our mysterious monstrosity. Benjamin Enix and Paul Yoder spotted a quote, gargantuan bird with huge red eyes flying above the treetops in the TNT area. On Sunday, November 20th, a Ferry Branch Hollow couple stopped a highway patrolman and reported being chased by a giant bird-like creature for nearly four miles before it suddenly vanished, only to be spotted once again perched in a tree nearly a mile further down the highway. Later that day, five teenagers, including Point Lake resident Brenda Jones, were out for a joyride along Campbell Creek. As they rounded a bend, the headlights fell upon a shadowy man-sized bird-like figure standing near the quarry. Pulling to the roadside, the terror-stricken teens watched the entrancing entity for nearly ten minutes before it shuffled awkwardly into the tree line behind it. On the other side of Campbell Creek, on Camp Connolly Road, just moments later, a group of 14 boys, Billy Burdett, Daryl and Johnny Love, and John Moreau, came upon a grayish man-sized monster with fiery red eyes. In a move undoubtedly fueled by youthful arrogance, the group of young men attempted to corner the creature. Unfortunately, or fortunately for them, the beast took flight and escaped well before they got close enough to capture it. They raced immediately to their car and drove straight to the sheriff's office to report their encounter to Deputy Halstead. Thirty miles east in Nicholas County, 
Howard Miller reported a strange winged figure perched on the top of a school bus structure. This ended the sightings of one of the busiest days in the lore of Mothman, but the sightings and encounters rolled on. The following evening at 10.15, on November 21st, 50 miles southeast of Point Pleasant in Charleston, West Virginia, Richard West made a terrifying call to the Charleston police, describing a, quote, six-foot-tall red-eyed Batman perched above the roof of his neighbor's garage. When Charleston police officer D.L. Tucker arrived on the scene just eight minutes later, he only found a confounded Mr. West, who breathlessly described the creature shooting up into the air without a single beat of its enormous wings only moments before. On November 23rd, an elderly businessman stepped outside to investigate his suddenly barking dog, only to find himself eye-to-eye with a, quote, pale-skinned, fire-eyed demon that stood no more than three feet from his doorstep. He stood there in a daze, eyes locked together, for several minutes before the bizarre beast launched itself into the sky. Meanwhile, our original experiencers, Roger and Linda Scarberry, were having a range of post-Mothman experiences at their trailer home that left them sleepless. They reported an unending array of bizarre noises, including discordant electric beeps and strange garbled shrieking, both inside and outside of their home. Within a week, they simply gave up attempting to identify the source of the noises. They moved out of their trailer and into the basement of Linda's parents. On November 26th, a, quote, giant flying creature with red eyes was spotted by a young husband and wife along with their twin nine-year-old daughters just outside the TNT area. The following morning, a similar creature was described by a local shoe salesman named Thomas Yuri. He claimed to be traveling over 70 miles per hour as the aerial apparition swooped lazily back and forth over his vehicle. Following this sighting, Thomas's mother, whom he had taken into his home only recently, began to receive bizarre phone calls. She would pick up the handset only to hear loud electronic humming and an ever-changing series of beeps that Thomas theorized may have been Morse code. Fifteen miles north of Point Pleasant in the town of Middleport, on the morning of November 26th, A five-year-old boy ran into the living room to announce the sighting of a butterfly in the backyard to his father. The man wrote off the account as something entirely normal until the young lad elaborated, quote, but daddy, it's as big as your car. The man, if only to satisfy his own curiosity, stood and walked to the back door just in time to see the airborne abomination soaring over the neighborhood beyond. Later that day in St. Albans, West Virginia, Ruth Foster had one of the closest encounters on record. She stated, It was standing on the lawn beside the porch. It was tall with big red eyes that popped out of its face. My husband is about six foot one, and this thing looked to be about the same height. A little shorter, maybe. It had a funny little face. I didn't see a beak. All I saw were those big, red, poppy eyes. I screamed and ran back into the house. My brother-in-law went out to look, but it was gone. 
The following morning, the 18-year-old niece of intrepid reporter Mary Heyer, Connie Jo Carpenter, was driving back from church alone around 10.30 a.m. She was driving past the Mason County golf course when she spotted a seven-foot-tall gray figure with large, round, fiercely glowing red eyes. The moment that she focused on its eyes, she froze. The car slowly came to a stop, not because she had applied the brake, but because her legs had simply gone numb. As she stared on in a daze, the beast unfurled a set of ten-foot-wide wings and launched into the sky. It headed straight for her. The fear within her skyrocketed, but she couldn't move. It wasn't until the entity swooped low toward the windshield of the car, narrowly avoiding a collision, and the eyes were out of view that Connie regained control of her body, and she immediately slammed her foot on the gas, making a quick exit. Later, John Keel would describe his experience interviewing Connie. He discussed a feature that stood out to him. Connie had an obvious case of conjunctivitis, an affliction that befell several of those who had come face to face with the Mothman's scarlet gaze, as well as many of those who came in contact with the bright lights associated with close encounters of the ufological variety. And this, for now, is where we leave you. Just 11 short but very busy days from the Scarberry Millette encounter that started this incredible series. Will the chaotic onslaught of high strangeness continue to hold West Virginia in its mothy grasp? What could the origins of this bizarre stripping away of any and all paranormal barriers be? And what befell the key players in this incredible tale of a town under supernatural siege? So many questions. So many episodes. So. Much. Mothman. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Now the debrief. Alright. Another week of Mothman. More Mothman. Yeah. (laughs) Are we uh, yes. are we about done with this? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting I mean, there. we can only talk about a half moth, half man <laughs> in so many different ways and describe the same sighting so many different times. Sure. <laughs> like, I right. think like, okay, I'll be honest. I think that I had it in my head that like I we I wanted us to cover Mothman very thoroughly, right? I mean, and, of course, yeah, that was that was the goal. Yeah, and I I really wanted like the gravity of just how many sightings occurred during this time period yeah. to like set in, and I may have lost the forest for the trees on this one. I think at some point we could have been like. Here's a here's a notable sighting, and then like twenty others happened in between, and here's another notable yeah. sighting. Instead of notable, notable, See, not very notable, not very notable, not very notable, not very sure. notable, not very notable. Like yeah, just over yeah. and over, and you know until we get to the nitty gritty stuff. 
Yeah. I I will admit, I think I'm like, I'm kind of like swimming lost in an ocean of Mothman this month. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure where to stop. Like, what? I'm losing track of what's important. Like, what is more significant than other things? Like, I'm in it. Yeah. And it's really hard to tell. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I understand. Yeah. Once you're living, breathing, eating, pooping Mothman, like, you know. Yeah. Also, you know, a little bit of sleep in there. You're dreaming of Mothman. I have. Um, I literally have been. <laughs> of course. It's a little bit disturbing. Yeah. Well, like, you know, it, I, I guess it is what it is. But yeah. I, we're almost there. We are almost yeah. there. So again, thank you for enduring this with us. <laughs> uh, I think that's like a podcast milestone where you where you end up thanking your listeners for enduring your show. Right. <laughs> like, Hopefully, yeah. you know, you find some way to at least achieve some listening Enjoy pleasure that? out of this. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard to do, but you know. The- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the story, because if you if you just pick up one of the fucking ten books that I've been reading through on this, if you just pick up the Mothman prophecies, you will realize that even though I've gotten crazy about the number of of sightings and encounters to cover I'm covering maybe one out of 20 that are documented yeah like it's insane how much there is yeah I mean of course of course and you know that's uh I'm glad we're not covering every single bit of it yeah of course not because I I think we would probably lose half of our half of our listener base if not more yeah yeah, but <laughs> no, it, but for real, yeah. The, I think the the thing is with especially with our show and the way our show is laid out, it for other shows they they can go through these encounter by encounter, and then their show is over. You know, you know yeah, what I mean. True. Like, but with the way our our show is laid out, it's. You have to find, because this section of the show, the debrief, is the place where you and I dissect what we just heard in the story, and we, you know, expound on on our feelings about it, right? And right, of course. when you're covering the same subject over and over again, it's hard to get to the big picture again and again and again and again yeah. every episode I think, right? I think that's that's mainly what it is for me is because like you know we we've talked about so many different encounters and then we've talked about like uh you know like these other things that we go back and it's like oh well you know we've kind of said this already but sure how can we re-say that to make it sound different yeah right no it's it's yeah. true the thing is like there there are a lot of like unique things that happen along the way, but if you look at encounters of course, yeah. chronologically, a lot of them are very similar. Yeah. Right? Uh, the vast majority of Mothman sightings are 
uh, someone's driving or they're at their house and they see a big gray thing with wings and red eyes. I mean, it's really there to re to to resolidify or you know to form that like structure and you know to let you know like the there were this many sightings, there yeah. were this many encounters, like so that's what adds like to the story. You know, it gives it that yeah. credibility, it gives it you know that realness and everything. It's the fact that there were so many encounters. Exactly. Whether or not so, they were like substantial, like very you know specific, or they were just yeah. another run of the mill, like doesn't matter. Yeah, there were that many. If you think about this in context of some of the other things that we've covered, we spent an entire episode talking about like the Flatwoods monster, and one of the biggest moments in that was that secondary encounter because it's like, oh, someone else saw something right that day, yeah. close to that area. And, like, that's basically one of the biggest selling points on that story is Mm -hmm. that it's corroborated by separate people who don't know the first people at all, who had no chance at hearing about it beforehand. Like, that's that's true. That's just that's just one corroborating account. Imagine if the Flatwoods monster had 490 corroborating accounts. We're not going to go over 490 no. Mothman encounters. Don't no, you worry. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's why I'm saying this right now. Because, like, that is the full weight of this. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I agree, if, for sure. If you're someone that's into ufology especially, they people in ufology love corroborating accounts, right? Like, oh, I saw a weird light or I saw a flying saucer. And then someone across town earlier that morning had another UFO sighting and described a similar craft. And that'll be like a huge selling point mm-hmm. on it. That takes it from plausible to possible in a lot of people's minds, right? Exactly. So, like, put that weight on every single corroborating encounter with Mothman. It's a lot. Yeah, it is definitely a lot. But, uh, you know, and again, that's why we're here, to bring yeah. light, light to it. And also reinforce the the fact that there were so many encounters and yeah. that not all of them were, you know, the, the crazier ones. But again, there are enough out there to, I say, kind of strengthen our story. And so yeah, that I is think, why we're five episodes deep on Mothman yeah. right now. I think people people underestimate or they don't realize how many accounts there were how many corroborating accounts there were for the mothman Mm -hmm. i think that's why it's such a lasting and such a huge like iconic character in in like the pantheon of american folklore right it's like him and bigfoot basically that's it i couldn't imagine going and doing a bigfoot deep dive now dude it's yeah (laughs) like jeez man honestly i'm thinking now at this point this might be a little inside baseball, but whatever. Like, I think that when we do Bigfoot, I think we should just hand, we should just cover cases individually and not worry about doing like a yeah. big overarching thing. Just like when you find a cool Bigfoot encounter, we'll write a story about it and we'll talk about that encounter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're learning a lot from from this deep dive. Um, yeah, and I mean it's it's been awesome, and it's definitely been stellar so far. Like just learning all the information and 
you know, everything that we've been able to kind of uncover with it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a it's been a process. That's for sure. Yeah, especially doing it this month. Like this month <laughs> Dude, has been yeah. an insane experience. And an experiment in endurance, I'll say. Yeah, I I would uh, I can confirm. Yes. Yeah. I it's, mean, we've done so much. This has been this a month. very the busiest month we've ever done. The most By content far. we've ever released in a single month. Um yeah. You know, and we're keeping up on the show and also trying to keep up on Patreon and everything else like so, you know, uh again, yeah, it's uh, I definitely feel feel that for sure. Yeah. But it's also rewarding. You know, it's rewarding that we can have all this content going, like, and not, like, I, I feel at least, like, we haven't let anything slip. As far as yep. quality-wise, you know, we're still focused on maintaining that level of quality with everything that we do. Yeah. And, I mean, I I feel, I'm, like, very proud of us because... Same. At the yeah, end for of... Sure. At the very end of September, we posted on all of our socials a schedule like we committed in writing to this is what we're going to do every week this month and it was daunting but we did it we did it yeah and it was it was a lot but we said fuck it and made all the people in our real lives hate us and we did it <laughs> like, right. that's you think that's a joke but it's really not right no it really is not <clears throat> It really is not. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, yeah. you know what? It's something we enjoy you're doing. So, you're, <laughs> you're, you're welcome. welcome. Yeah. You're fucking welcome. Okay, so before we start getting into encounters, because we're, we're going to kind of go through the encounters that are covered in the story, yeah. but um, I wanted to recognize the one additional source added for this episode, because we have a growing list of sources. Um, that I've been using throughout. This one is a book by Ken Gerhard, who is an awesome guy. All right. He's a cryptozoologist. Um, and the book is called Encounters with Flying Humanoids, Mothman, Man-Birds, Gargoyles, and Other Winged Beasts. It's a, it's an awesome book. It has... there. I mean, he does some interviews in there with experiencers, with Mothman experiencers, who are no longer with us. Like nice. It, there are some important interviews in there if you're into the Mothman lore. Yeah. So some updated interviews, like people who we have interviews from that were done by Mary Heyer or John Keel back in the day, and these same people sat down with Ken to discuss what happened and they reflect on it, you know, right. decades later and it's yeah, it's really good. Cool. Also, another thing before we get into uh, before we get into the episode, you know, doing any more discussion or whatever, I want to yeah. take a minute to uh, just give a couple shout outs to some of our new <sighs> like patrons because we have another yes. in a minute. Uh, yeah, we do have we'd have a few to to shout out. Um, if we okay. don't go through all of them, we'll get you next time. Uh, so we do have Allison. That's recent awesome. uh, recent patron. Thank you. Welcome, Allison. 
Um, we have someone that goes by the name of TX Pat. TX Pat. I wonder if that's Texas Pat. I don't know. That's that's a Maybe. that's a good good question. Welcome, yes. welcome, Pat. Welcome, Texas Pat. That's what I'm calling it. TX Pat. Uh, we have Heather. That uh, we've not uh, shouted out yet. Welcome. Yes, welcome. welcome. Thank you um, for your patronage. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Tanya Downing as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, Tanya is the host. Uh, is one of the hosts. They have many hosts. They have like a rotating cast of hosts. But their podcast is called Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry. Excellent. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for... Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pa- patroning. <laughs> patroning. Patroning. Thank uh, you for patronizing <laughs> us. <laughs> and Greg Morrill as well. Oh, yeah. All the weird. So, yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for supporting as well. Yeah. He also runs um he also runs cryptocasters on on um Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. Yeah, which is awesome. So yeah, check that out too. Make sure to Absolutely. Yeah, make sure to go over and check that out. And then uh lastly to shout out for tonight's episode, we also have Leia as well. And so again, thank you guys for just supporting supporting the show. Uh it's uh, taking the time to listen and just, I mean, even give us any type of recognition, I think is huge. Um, yeah. You know, and I, you know, I know we haven't done uh, patron shout outs in a little while. Uh, so that's why we have a pretty, pretty big list and we'll update it to one of our next episodes as well. But yep. uh, yes, again, thank you so much for just being a part of the community, being awesome. Um, you know, definitely. T- if you ever want to reach out, chat, whatever, we are always available. Always down to uh, just chat about anything and everything, and uh, also have episode discussions. Uh, you yep. can also, you know, join us on Discord. Follow us on our Facebook group as well. Um, you know, just to keep these conversations and everything going. Absolutely. I mean, Patreon basically keeps the lights on, so. Right now, it is yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> it's helping us tremendously with yeah. That's yeah. Just our sound design and stuff like that. You know that uh, that stuff's not cheap. So yeah, it, it all costs money. Exactly. Yep. But yes, one last again. Thank you guys. Yeah. With that said, let's uh, let's talk about some encounters. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, obviously, I think I think one of the biggest ones uh, are going to be all the the monster hunters, the the people that just want a part of you know part of the action um, yep. in the TNT area. Um. So, because during during that time, I mean, there's it's flooded, flooded with people, armed yep. families. Like, I mean, literally everybody out there that just, which I know we've, we've talked about this before and the fact like you go, you have people out there just like guns a blazing and stuff (laughs) and so many people out in this area, like that would be so not safe. Yeah. And it could just a mess. Like it'd be such a mess, dude. Like, 
Yeah. A danger mass. <laughs> Just <laughs> chock full of danger. Exactly. Yes. Dude, okay, so here's the thing. There, I found two separate quotes. One from John Keel. The other from a volunteer fireman who was assigned traffic duty at the TNT area. That's how many people were out there. Jesus. Someone had someone had to run traffic. So he said that it basically looked like the county fair. Yeah. Like that that's how he described it. John Keel described it as he he said that it reminded him of Times Square on New Year's Eve. That's so a big I comparison. Think, yeah. I think he was probably exaggerating a little I, bit, I would say, John Keel style, but <laughs> I would, like, I would hope so because that's just insane. I think he, I think what I got from that was like that's how it felt, right? Like In that comparison, kind of excitement and all those, and the smaller area with like that overcrowded with that many yeah. people, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Proportionally, you know, that's probably like going to be pretty accurate, out. yeah, yeah, but um. Yeah, wildly unsafe out there. Yeah. Wildly unsafe. People were just, like, shooting at whatever birds they saw. Like, in this forest that's crowded with people. I'm sure a lot of birds died that day. R.I.P. Yeah. A lot. And also, people are out there with their kids. (laughs) Just walking around in the woods at night with people just blasting their shotguns into trees. You see the silhouette of a person out of the corner of your eye, or... A rustling, oh, and, you know, in the <laughs> the leaves ahead, like you're gonna shoot, and then you're, yeah, yeah. You find out it's little Stacy, exactly, little Stacy or little Harry, whatever. I mean, you yeah. know, like, or your grandpa. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it can be anybody out there, but it's you not Mothman. <laughs> yeah, you accidentally blew your grandpa's ten foot wings off. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, Grandpa's plan. Mothman. <laughs> No, but it like it really can't be overstated how dangerous it was yeah. out there. It just I don't I anytime there's this like huge angry mob like this, yep. I just I think of oh man, I'm I would never I would never join in on anything like that just because like I, the the possibility for that to go south very quickly is extremely like yeah. It's it's huge. I mean, mob mentality freaks me out in general. Yeah. I try to stay away from that in all forms, you know? Except like, on the weekends. <laughs> holidays. Holidays, yeah. There um, you go. No, honestly, everything from like... You know, the, obviously the last few years, our country has reacquainted itself, let's say, with the protest. Right? Like, on all sides. Like, regardless of where you sit politically, all sides have, over the last few years, kind of figured out how to exercise their right to protest again. Yeah. You know? And they freak me out. The protest free, even if it's the, even if it's for a good cause that I believe in, it scares me anytime there are thousands of people. I have done a couple of those. Yeah. And they they do they they can get a little rowdy. I mean, yeah, you know, just just the excitement of it, right? Yeah, that's what makes me nervous. And it's so easy for I mean, 
mob mentality to take over. Like, it's easy to feel to feel invincible when you're one of, you know, 4,000 people yeah. marching yeah, down the street. That's true. And, yeah, it, that's, how, that's how dangerous shit happens, for sure. So, like, I think of that 50 years ago happening in the forest at night, and holy shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with 1960s West Virginia gun laws. Exactly. It being... Like, Anybody and ever, I mean, you've got like three year olds out there with just a yeah. loaded up shoddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not a good situation. <laughs> but for real, yeah, yeah. It's just, don't do that. Let's, let's be, you know, yeah. let's be more responsible, guys. Hunt the monsters with your mind. That's where they <laughs> exist anyway. <laughs> Come on. Come on, buds. Yeah, well. Um, you can't no, argue with that even, one. I don't even go Black Friday shopping. Now, <laughs> that is... Well, although, like, now that Black Friday like Black Friday shopping is more online now... Yeah. It's it's so much better because, man, crowds of, crowds of angry people that don't get the discounts that they want... Yeah, dude. People, people get pretty yeah. crazy. Like, I, I mean, mean I, I used to go yearly... And, and just because I love to watch people do it, because yeah. I stand back, you know, unless like there's <laughs> something I'm I'm actually going for, that I'm like out there, like I'm I'm you know I'm wearing some armor under my clothes, I uh, you know, <laughs> no, not really, <laughs> but but you know I'm like trying to be like incognito a little bit, just keeping for to sure. myself, you know, just yeah, doing what I need to do and getting in and getting out. But I've I've watched some people like literally fight people over yes. not getting yeah. not getting what they're there for, and I'm just like that happens to me. I'm just like no, nope, don't worry about it. Just you know, take it, take it. I'm not. I I would never. Yeah, dude. I think in 2012, I saw, I personally witnessed a six person fist fight over a five dollar DVD bin. Yeah, I'm. I I wouldn't be surprised. That and it's the same, it's the same kind of stupid that was out in this forest. Yeah, exactly. Looking for Mothman. Yep. That's what scares me. Because imagine if you put that like, if these idiots can get this passionate over, like, trying to get failure to launch on DVD. <laughs> that's a terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible example. Exactly. That's the point. All right. Some fair. like bullshit, stupid movie for five dollars on DVD. If they're willing to fist fight another human being for that, what are they willing to do in a situation where they think their town is under attack? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. It. Yeah. So all this to say, the TNT area was very dangerous that night. That's why the police like that. Eventually, the police are like, okay, this has to stop. Yeah, and they put up barricades and they keep people out, which because I don't think they expect. I don't think anyone expected. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, I I highly doubt it. I mean, that's a that's a. I mean, that's quite the reaction, right? Yeah, I mean, the story just exploded. It exploded once it started getting national attention. Even the local people were like taking more notice, you know, and taking it more seriously because they were seeing it on like nightly news and stuff like that 
like not just local coverage. So it seemed more it seemed more serious. I guess you could say it uh was getting a little serious. Yeah. Pretty serious. <laughs> so, moving on for that. We had uh Rolf Thompson at his house, uh yeah. him and his wife's house that was in this uh TNT area, right? Yeah. Which is bizarre to begin with. That right. there's a house out there. Yeah, that that's kind of that was kind of my thought too. Yeah, um, it's the company that he worked for. I think did some work in the TNT area. I think they were like one of the firms that contracted the okay. storage, the storage things. And he and so part of his like fringe, he didn't work for the company. He was the company's CEO. So like one of the one of the fringe benefits was this house. Okay. Um, yeah. In a place where the water table was poisoned. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. But a lush forested area, you know. Yeah, gorgeous. As long as you buy bottled water, Mothman you're good to go. And, yeah. Exactly. Like, they had front row seats, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we have, uh, who is it? Ray- Raymond and his wife, Kathy... And yep. then um, Ray's older sister, Marcella, and her daughter, uh, who Tina. was uh, Tina. Yeah. Yep. Three years old. And they were just decided to go just randomly go out and visit. Yeah. Virginia. It just seems Keep so Keep in random. mind, this is, this is the 60s. And I mean, you didn't true, really call but- ahead. You just show up. But you could still ring them up and be like, hey, you going to be around in a few hours or tomorrow or the next day or something? Keep in mind also, this is rural West Virginia. It, it's totally it's totally likely that one or both of these parties didn't even have telephones in their All right, homes. Well, All right. that, that could be fair. At least the CEO of a big company, I, I would think, would probably have a phone. Living out in the middle of the TNT area? Yeah. He sure. might not. I don't know. Eh, maybe. maybe. True. True. Oh, no. He does have a phone because he calls the police from the phone in their house. So. Yeah, that's I don't right. Know. Maybe, they call the police. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the people don't. Maybe the people. I don't know. They just showed up. They and decided to not to weird. call ahead. Like, just. I mean, now it's weird because you don't even knock on people's doors anymore. I, you know I, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if I go to somebody's house, text I'm going to text them. The hey, I'm here. All yeah, right, cool. Exactly. Come, on, come on up. And then I still knock on the door. Yeah, <laughs> like you just send another text. I'm knocking. <laughs> oh, that's you. Come on in. All right. <laughs> as long as you let me in, I'll 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 be ready. Yeah. People I, used to be much friendlier that, and more yeah, open to so. drop bys. Yeah. Today, yeah. that's just not going to fly. So, needless to say. Um, you know, they notice the, like the red, red lights above the vehicle, the red, whatever. Yeah. Um, Raymond does. Right. Um, doesn't really think a whole lot of it at that point. Yep. And then they get to, they get to the house and then end up hearing the gunshot in the distance. Yeah. Which kind of sends everybody into a little bit of a panic. And then these red glowing orbs are seen again. Yep. This time a little bit more, uh, you know, closer. And yeah, 
And he's like, hey, Marcella, look at this. Am I crazy? Or is like, what is going on up here? And right. she's like, fuck off, I'm busy. And continues carrying her daughter to the car. Yeah. And then how she see, first sees Mothman really creeps me out. And I kind of love it. That's- because I... I Go ahead. I was gonna say that's is that where it's laying like she's essentially like it's laying down and see that's how she describes it to that's how she describes it to Keel. But okay, the thing is her her actual account says that she sees the shadow move across the lawn and it kind of forms into a standing position. Huh. Okay. Which I love because I. My favorite way to think about Mothman is just like a living shadow. You that know what can I mean? essentially materialize out of yes. out of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that. And it reminds me of Darkwing Duck. Yeah. The the theme during the theme <laughs> yeah. sequence. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um But yeah, it's it's scary as shit. And like it's standing it goes into the standing position and the light the eyes kind of turn on once it's standing and like she talks about she doesn't know if it turned around toward her and then there were the eyes but or all if of the a sudden eyes they were formed. just kind of there yeah right okay um, but yeah once those eyes hit dude grabs his wife and just books it for the house i mean assuming yeah. that marcello would be right behind him but she collapses she like freezes and her legs just give out. Yeah. I'm so I you know, and skipping ahead, I'm assuming nothing bad happened to the daughter. But at the same no. time, she's she's able to consciously comprehend the fact that she's literally smothering her daughter. Yes. Yeah, it's just but her physical body won't to, move. To to push her out of this. Yeah. See, that's that right there is the thing that makes this really significant to me. Yeah. Is the only thing, the only thing biologically that overrides self preservation is protection of your offspring. Right. Exactly. There's nothing more. And I mean, there's just nothing more important to a human being with children than protecting those children. Right? It just naturally. Yeah. We can assume that Marcella is not a sociopath. Right? And just this trance that Mothman had over her, that this experience was putting her in, was so powerful that it overrode that, that desire to protect her daughter. She's literally laying there, feeling her daughter like struggle for breath. And she still can't move. Mm-hmm. She still can't get her body to work. That yeah, that's just. I mean, it's it's definitely sad that 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 has to be a thing. Yeah, but I think that also course. adds just to how crazy. Yeah, this whole situation is. Yeah, and how powerful exactly that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and you know, being the the good little brother, he, um, Raymond. He like you know throws caution to the wind and runs toward Mothman to grab his sister and his niece. 
yanks them up off the ground and drags them up the steps up to the front door. And then that's when it what it lands on the porch. Well, not really sure because they pound on the door, they get inside. And once they're inside and they lock the door, then they hear, they hear it, it like shuffling it. On, right. around yeah. on the porch. Okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, but, it could be not even on the porch. It could be like right off to the side. It could be maybe right. it's dancing. Who knows? <laughs> it could, Doing it the could Mothman be. shuffle. Exactly. He, um, but he, when they realize, oh shit, it's on the porch, he runs to the window to look out the window to the porch to see what's going on. And Mothman's right fucking there on the other side of the window. Like, he pulls the curtain and it's just Mothman eyes Ugh. right there at the window. Yeah. And the the that, girls are freaking out. I mean, completely. yeah, of course. And yeah, and he that's like that, stumbles back, runs and makes the call. And that's that whole like that whole idea of like looking out the window and someone's yes. looking back at you again. Yeah, yeah exactly. We oh, encounter man. that so often. Yep. Yeah. And that's definitely a a freak out that you and I share. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, and then so when they call the police, they come out not able to find anything and that's basically all she wrote yeah that's i mean outside for the lasting trauma that sticks marcella Marcella. yeah that she ends up having to undergo like treatment and all that stuff too right yep oddly enough she she meets um oh what's her name from the very first encounter um she meets Linda Scarberry in ah. the because they're both seeking treatment for post-traumatic stress right in the same facility okay. so yeah it's um well at least they get to share in that yeah and they both <laughs> <laughs> they both talk about how you know they both separately talk about how it stayed with them for their entire lives I mean like, yeah I think that something paranoia like and that yeah. terrifying would stick with you forever. Especially Marcella's experience was incredibly traumatic. Yeah, stuff of like course. with her daughter mm-hmm. and like I can't imagine the guilt associated with a situation like yeah, that. That too. And you can kind of tell that 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 part of it may have fucked her up the most because the way she and this is one of the interviews in Ken Gerhard's book. Um, it's actually an interview done by someone else, but it's discussed in Ken's book. Okay. And, um, she like the quote she gives is so it's so dry and matter of fact, like detached that like, like she's like, well, I thought, well, she's dead. I'm killing her. Yeah. That, that just is, it's very off putting. Yeah. Um, because it's almost like there's no, the no concern for the for the actual overall outcome. At that point, yeah. it's more so just coming coming to terms with it really quickly. I think right? that's the way. I think that's the detachment that comes from a situation that, that that's that traumatic. You know what I mean? Like 
that's a pretty common way of dealing with something that you can't deal with is just like you just shut off your emotions brushing it out right yeah 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 that that's possible that's definitely possible it just yeah it is it's just unsettling because imagine having to face the emotional truth of that situation every time you discuss what happened right and imagine if you know what i mean if it was worse yeah if it had gone worse exactly yeah yeah that'd be not to mention just to come back from yeah i mean not to mention just the force of a full-grown human falling collapsing on top of a three-year-old just that in itself without the suffocation could have been devastating you know physically yeah so all involved were pretty lucky i mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't tell her that she was lucky but like it could have gone it could have been really really badly it could have been worse for sure yeah um and then of course now we have series of just kind of random random encounters um we've got moth guy chasing cars and stuff um the two firefighters seeing the big red bird basically oh yeah um with the glowing eyes yep yep um and then yeah again more people being chased (laughs) yeah he liked to chase cars (laughs) yeah it's like a dog um Right? Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of Lizard Man of Skate or Swamp. Okay. That he yeah. just had some kind of vendetta out for vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> like that that yeah. one that he just wrecks. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um and then of course we have the the Campbell Creek encounters. So yes. we had the group of teens, um essentially two groups, one on each side. And we had Brent it was Brenda Jones, is that right? Yep, and her yep. yeah, so her group uh, that that basically you had said that they had spotted it by the quarry until it kind of flew away. Yeah, and, they sat there and watched it for like ten minutes. right, and they were just kind of watching. It was it a really long time. Do its yeah. its Mothman thing. Yeah, I don't know if he was like meditating. He was probably or... just mothing around. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, still i mean that's that's a long time to just sit and watch it it really is see and that's like i kind of saw that as like an example of the the trance state that it seems to put people in the fact that they were able to just sit there five teenagers were able to just sit there in a car for 10 minutes staring at this like vague gray shape at the edge of the quarry yeah with red eyes you know like yeah, I imagine they were probably entranced by it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure. I mean, it would it would be yeah. difficult to look away from. Like, is something that yeah, just extremely out of the ordinary. And yep. yeah, I, I I could I I would I would be right there too. Yeah, like just being like, what is going on? Like that. Yeah, it'd, it'd be a trip. Yeah, this is also one of the one of the few. Um descriptions we have of mothman moving on his man legs which is always awkward it's like they always describe him as having this like strange awkward kind of not very proficient gait yeah to the way he moves when he's on his feet i'm (laughs) 
I think of it, I, like, I, I immediately think of it like a small child that's, like, slowly learning to walk. Like, they have it down, but they're still, like, very wobbly and, you know, a little... Yeah. Yeah. They have to think about each step. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course... Yeah, I, I think that's probably accurate. Right. And then, of course, we have the other encounter with the, uh, with the group of boys that tried to... Yeah chase after and co- or basically try to get it cornered yeah um which i don't know where that would that idea came from or who thought that that was a good plan it came from dumbass teenage boys <laughs> touche it yeah came from um yeah. but yeah that just uh i mean they i think they got lucky in that one yeah uh you know yeah. he just kind of flew away just like haha yeah they could have yeah Instead of wrecking their asses. <laughs> they could have had it so much worse. Treating them like a fucking German shepherd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the story I describe it as fueled by youthful arrogance. Yeah. I'm dead. Like. Yep. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. They honestly thought they were going to corner this like otherworldly being and <laughs> capture it. Maybe. I don't know. Beat it up. Like, Put it in a jar. A wedgie. And hope that uh, you know it's it's like little light comes on. Yeah. Hope they remember to poke holes in the lid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just stupid. Use your heads. Yeah. But they get lucky in it. It books it. They're yeah. unsuccessful. Who knows what would have happened if they would have actually physically gotten hands on it? You know what I mean? Like. We could have had a Mothman body count. Right. But, I mean, maybe maybe he felt, like, outnumbered. You have, like, you know... Could have. Four boys, one moth, and it's just... Yeah. <laughs> that's... <clears throat> that's, uh... <clears throat> you know, that's that's the start of a odd porno. <laughs> Absolutely. Very odd. A dusty one. <laughs> <laughs> Quite dusty. Uh, so, because we talked about how stupid the teenage boys are, but we can't overlook the fact that teenage boys are also maybe one of the most dangerous forms of life on Earth. And That's true, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that youthful arrogance is also fuel... Yeah, gives you know, them. Yeah, yeah. I will say, as an officially middle-aged man now, I have I have legitimately like switched sides of the sidewalk to not walk by like large groups of teenage boys. I have. I, I mean, I just they try freak to me out. Teenage kids all together these days. Yeah, it's just. Ugh. I mean, they freak me out, right? Like. The, the like that arrogance leads to them doing some wild shit. Well, that's true. So, yeah. Like trying to corner Mothman is a great example right. of that. Right? Like I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be out there in the first place. But <laughs> Yeah. That's fair as well, yeah. But this is um also before we move on, I wanted to say this area, this Campbell Creek Road. It's like right up there with the TNT area for it being a hot spot. 
there is an insane amount of Mothman encounters along this stretch of road. Yeah. Like, dozens and dozens of encounters. And, like, when we, you know, continue, probably, like, Mothman Part 31 will... Oh, man, I hope not. <laughs> we'll, <talk laughs> we'll, um, we'll see, like, some of the wildest shit that happens goes on out yeah. there on that road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we do love a good hot spot. Yeah. So there will not be 31 parts to Mothman. No, there definitely won't be. I promise. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um and I just wanted to briefly talk about the Howard Howard Miller one. Uh seeing seeing uh your moth guy on what was it a school structure? Yeah, yeah. School bus. It was like a, a barn that where they parked the school bus. Okay, like a bus barn. All right. Yeah. So there is there is an interesting point to this because the way he describes it is very different than the way other people describe it. And I think this might be one of the encounters that might actually be a sandhill crane. Okay. That he saw. Because what he describes is something around four feet tall. Not seven, but four. Right, I and mean, he also describes it having red around its eyes. Ah, uh, okay. So I think he may have legitimately yeah. seen a sandhill crane. I think we can. I think we could safely, safely dismiss yeah. that one. Yeah, I wanted to put that in there because it is one of the few that I think might. Because one of the leading skeptical points is this idea that people were seeing a a migrating sandhill crane. Okay. Right. Yeah. But. This one, I think, might actually be that. So, I, yeah, I wanted to include that one. Perfect. No, that's 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 all I needed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we have the six foot red eyed Batman. Oh yeah, I love this one too. Because <laughs> this guy is so far removed from um from Point Pleasant, he hasn't been like up on the news of what's going on over there. Right. And he calls it what everybody should have called it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. For sure. You know what I mean? And like I they got we, stuck with Mothman. We've brought we've brought up the red-eyed Batman before. Yeah. But like now to actually have it, it like some context with it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, just awesome. Yeah, I think like cuz we talked about how it probably wouldn't have been as big a a pop culture thing if they had called it Batman because it would have gotten drowned out, you know. Yeah, of course, it would have felt silly, especially in the context of like the sixties and seventies version of Batman, where it's kind of kitschy and yeah, fun, you know. But like this guy saw what everyone else saw, and he was like, "That's a fucking Batman. That's half bat, half man." Which is basically what everyone saw. Yeah, that, no I one mean, saw that's like fair. dust. No one saw like insect-like yeah. features. Mothman just kind of stuck. I don't. I can't explain why. You know, and, and that's and that's something I, I've 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 wondered, like why why that became such a popular term. I mean, yeah. other than the bird, but that yeah. one's just silly. So sure, but at the same time, we it, we didn't call it like you know crazy Birdman or sure Owlman or something like that. No, it's just Mothman. 
Yeah, and it's just that's just from some random unnamed reporter at some point used the term Mothman and it just caught it on for stuck. whatever exactly. reason. Exactly. Yep. It's just, I mean, it's yeah, it's I, weird. But that's how things, you know, things get their name. Like just some random person says something, and then people like it well enough to, all right, yeah, yeah. And then that next thing you know, the entire world's calling it that. Yeah. I, I, you know that feeling when someone in the room says something out loud that everyone's been thinking, Me, but yeah. no one has had, no one has said yet, right? Yeah, and like everyone is like, yeah, yeah, that feels good now that someone said mm-hmm. it. You know, like that's how I feel about this encounter about this guy calling him Batman. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Someone else saw it. Yeah. <laughs> And then at that point, it's too late. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you can't it's rebrand it. Exactly. No. It's a missed opportunity, though. Yeah. But hats off to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have, of course, the older man that ends up seeing it, thinking it's a demon. Uh, that kind of watches it for a while, and then, you know, he just kind of flies off, right? I mean, it's way more intense than that. So, you know, brief, brief yeah. TLDR version. Yeah. So his he hears his dog barking outside. He walks out the door. He opens the door only to come face to fucking face with this thing. He's, it's literally three feet from him. Three feet away. I mean, I'd say it's that's a bit there. more intense than just watching him. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> It's also interesting because he says that it's pale-skinned. That's what he uses. Hmm. But he also says that he's, like, entranced by its eyes the whole time. So, so out of his How good a look did he get at the rest? Right. Yeah. Maybe he just kind of sees, like, a, a blurried image, and then that's why he just yeah. said it's more pale. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he said what... A lot of people, I mean, people still to this day will say, will claim that Mothman was some, like, diabolical force, some, like, demonic entity. I mean, of course. Right? Yeah. It's but hard, people hard of not the time, to think of it like yeah. that, too. Yeah. Yep. People of the time, especially, you know, in the, in the rural south, th- there was more religion than not, for sure. There were a lot of people thinking, like, this is a hell spawn. And, um... This guy just said it. Again, just saying what a lot of people were thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, anything out of the ordinary like this, you're going to think it's, you know, something, something negative, some type of demonic force or something that's out to yeah. terrorize the neighborhood. Yeah, and I mean... Most most American sects of Christianity, they consider, like, they basically put everything into three categories. Either it's godly, or it's human, or it's demonic. Like, that's, that's yeah. how most, you know, Baptists, Methodists, Nazarene, all those sects, they do, they, that's how they handle things. They put things in one of three baskets. Yeah, that's fair. So... Um, I think Mothman, if those are the only baskets you have, you have to put Mothman he, in Demonic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's no room for him in the others. Right. 
So skipping skipping on to the weird uh, the weird calls and the strange beeps, Morse code stuff yeah. like that, like these electronic noises that people started hearing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we had was it Roger Scarberry? Yeah. And and his wife Roger and Linda. Yeah. Ended up yep. uh, ended up hearing some of those. Yeah, so they were like plagued by it. So for weeks they would for like I think it was like three weeks after their encounter, every time they'd pick up a phone in their trailer, every time they would turn on the TV, they would have these like crazy, crazy noises through the phone, through the TV, and then it got to the point where they started hearing it even when they weren't using without the using devices. anything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. At that Which point, wild. you would definitely feel like a target for yeah. something, you know, whatever yeah. this is. You would definitely feel specifically targeted. Yeah. And you wonder why Linda was fucked up for life. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, with the paranoia. And I wonder, because you hear a lot about Linda, and you hear a lot about Marcella being, like, scarred for life. I wonder how fucked up Roger was. And it just wasn't in vogue for men to talk about their mental health at the time, you know, like it was much less likely that a man would go and seek treatment for something like post-traumatic stress. I, yeah, that's, that's actually a a good call too. Um, Because yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as commonplace for men to talk about things like that as now. Absolutely. You know, mental health is a very, very real thing that everyone should be focused on. But there's always been this weird thing in history with, like, men and emotions. Yeah. And not feeling like it's a very manly thing to talk about them or to be emotional or to display any type of emotion and things like that, which I I think is extremely silly. Yeah. Uh, You know, especially especially now, uh, just because, again, that's becoming more and more of a normal thing but still i mean you still have the people that feel like that shouldn't be a thing yeah that it's like a sign of weakness exactly and i i highly disagree with that yeah i think it's in my opinion it's the exact opposite exactly i think it's a a sign of strength to manage your own well-being the way you should and it's a good judge of character to be able to have somebody that can be open versus somebody that's going to you know, hide hide things like that and be very, uh, I don't know, just to themselves and, and whatever else, right? Yeah, yeah just kind of... Closed in. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, most historians now agree that that's a fairly recent thing. Around the time of the Industrial Revolution is when they started, like, really putting pressure on men to be, like, stoic and... You know, to swallow, yeah. cram down their emotions. Like, you're the provider. Like, it wasn't like that before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, duties were much more shared because most of the work was done in the house, like, on on the homestead by men and their wives. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it, it's fairly and recent, then, but it took hold strong. Like, yeah. Oh, I... I, I definitely agree and then and then of course you go into you know the age of 
men having like one thing that they did and then women having the other things that yeah, they yeah. were you know so like yeah gender just, roles exactly you know and yeah. that's and that's what that led into yeah so you can see that <laughs> i think we're moving in the right direction finally yeah absolutely i mean i i would say almost i would almost say that our parents generation was one of the worst struck by that by like men i don't know about i don't know all the men i've met from my father's generation were very like felt like they had to be very closed off and tough yeah and it's all machismo and like how badass are you you know what i mean like, right yeah true yeah I'm glad we're not like that because I would not have fit into that at all. <laughs> I mean, same, man. Same. Yep. At all. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, you know, I just personally, I worry for Roger Scarberry. I, I feel like he had, you know, he dealt, he, Linda didn't have any experiences that he didn't. Yeah. Share. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. had, mostly they had a lot of shared experiences and, I can't imagine he had an easier time handling it than she did. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe yeah. he just, again, kept that in, you know, yeah, and wasn't uh, wasn't as outward with it as as she was, and I I guess maybe maybe it worked for him, but you know, still, I don't know. I don't think that's uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say you know, obviously. You're going to get to a point where things are going to kind of come, come just falling. Whether you like it yeah, or not. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to come out or things are going to kind of fall apart. And yeah. all those, all those little paper walls that you build in your mind yep. to block things out, eventually they crumble, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I agree. I agree for sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, of course. We had the one, I think, the one cool uh, encounter with the little boy that sees the the oh, giant yeah. car sized <laughs> sized moth. Yeah, um, and then the dad goes and checks it out and happens to see it, like literally, like flying away. Right. Yep. And so I think this this little boy is the only one who describes as a moth anything insect. Yeah. Then maybe that story was made just so <laughs> there would be a reason. For Maybe. people to still continue to call it a Mothman, that was um, that was an encounter relayed to. Okay, so Mary Heyer would kind of update John Keel. Yeah, she wrote him a lot of letters because he was going back and forth from Point Pleasant to like other investigations in New York and Connecticut, and New Jersey, and all these other things that were going on because this, you know this time period was fucking crazy for paranormal and cryptid yeah, encounters. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, we, we have yeah. this this area specifically is just a huge hotspot yep. for all of it. Yeah, you so Kiel was all over the place, and Mary Heyer would send him, like, updates, and this encounter was in one of her letters that she sent him. So, like, the it's- boy comes, the boy comes in and goes, Dad, I saw a butterfly in the backyard, <laughs> and he's like, cool. Yeah. Those are all over the place. Yeah. And he's like, uh, this one was the size of your car. <laughs> At that point, I'd be like, 
All right, let's check it out. Yeah, show me. Show sure. me, bud. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it. It's just playful, you know? Yeah, it's a cute one. Um, I I don't know if I would... Uh, yeah, I think that's more so there for just the effect. But Sure. Hey, you know, not dismissing like it. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'd say the most notable is going to be um, the the instance with Mary Hire's niece. Yes. That was driving Connie. home and, yeah, and sees the seven foot tall um, the figure with the red eyes. And then yep. she's like not even noticing, but her car is kind of slowly coming to a stop because she's just so focused on this thing. She's not, you know, like yeah. motor skills at that point obviously aren't very uh, aren't very yeah. evident, right? You know, that's a cool way to put it because like it's almost like all of their energy is so focused on their like connection with these eyes right. that the body can't even. It, it literally can't function. There's no energy in the rest of their yeah. body because the all of their energy is focused on on Mothman. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That, so her legs just shut down. Yeah, and she can't exactly. push the gas pedal anymore, and her car just slows to a stop on its own. And she's just literally entranced. Yeah, and so like the, just the way that that unfolds, you know, with that slowly slowly happening, like just. You know, with her so focused on this thing, everything else not working with her, and all of a sudden this thing just sprouts its wings. Yeah. You know, or I guess not sprouts them, but extends them. <laughs> yeah. He pops up some wings. Uh, yeah. No, extends his wings. And Crosswick monster style. <laughs> it just pops out of his body. Exactly. <laughs> and then at that point, he just comes at her. Yeah. And then it's like snap back to reality. Yeah. Like, exactly like Roger Scarberry in the in the first thing as soon as she can't see the eyes anymore, all of her motor skills return immediately. Yeah. yeah. And so it, and that's I I think that's that's what it is. It's it's not even it's not even that they're so focused. I think it is literally maybe just mind you know using everything within their mind like some like mind manipulation compulsion something yeah. like that right some That's... kind of fucking magic exactly is what it is. yeah yeah so needless to say uh... snap back to reality and at that point it like what swoops down on or in toward the car like toward yeah and then she just like quickly drives away yeah and so now and then coming I guess you know the information that we got after the fact was that she had developed conjunctivitis right yep which yes. essentially pink eye yep. um and then that was a common common thing with people that had seen yep. the moth like had seen moth manor at least close up close up right enough to be yep. like entranced by it and you know like and yep yeah which i mean that like to me i'd say that checks out yeah i mean it's the kind is it's called Kleeg's conjunctivitis okay so it's it's really common in people who like like in welders people get it from like being too exposed to the welding flame ah, okay you know 
and like it's what you get if you sit and like lay in the yard and stare at the sun for an hour and a half so like it's overexposure to uv light it's uv light okay yeah yep well all right so think of you know all that this guy is outputting in these giant glowing red eyes yeah that's yeah that's even cooler right so yeah yeah. that's that's a cool detail yeah and that happened a lot keel talked to like a dozen people who had this Hmm. and yeah i mean um the farmer whose dog died from the very from our very first mothman episode right yeah he he had it um Remember, he talked about being entranced by the eyes and yeah. felt like even he like was he gonna was going like, to fall it. into them. Yep. Yes. Like, yep, he had it. Um, What's her name? The the woman a couple towns over who um, she talks about her. She comes out. It's just standing in the yard. And um, she stands there for a minute and then she like screams and runs in the house and then her brother-in-law comes out but it's gone right um she had it like everyone who had like really close up yeah sighting. i mean enough for enough to be able to actually look into its eyes i would assume yeah because from afar like yeah you can do that you can do that all day it's just like you know, looking looking at the sun through like a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. You know, or like, looking at someone welding a block away. That's right, not going to hurt true. you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you're three feet from it and you're staring at the flame, you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's such a just a random, uh, almost random, like bit of information. But at the same time, it's it's just a cool like. I don't know. It's just a cool thing to kind of take place in these stories because it it's another thing that just kind of adds to like the yeah. the realness of this. It's Unless, one of the very few physical pieces of like physical evidence. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. all these people are just happened to be in a room at some point and didn't realize that they were all together. Somebody <laughs> had pink eye and then just it started rapidly spreading. Yeah. But now they just all happen to see something similar. You know, like maybe the pink eye developed pretty quickly. So then they're like, maybe it's just kind of messing with them a little bit, you know? Yeah. They're maybe they have they're um, a moth guy. Maybe they have Mothman shaped floaters on their <laughs> pink eyes. <laughs> that, there we go. I think we just solved yeah. it. Solved it. Case closed. No more Mothman episodes. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> You fucking wish. (laughs) (laughs) We also had the chance to discuss, you know, men's mental health, which is an important topic. Um, No, I think it was a, it was definitely an important episode to kind of go over, even, even though it was mostly just encounters and everything. But again, it adds to just the realness. It re-solidifies. It just adds a lot more ground for, you know the, this information to come out and everything and again that's what we're doing with these episodes that's why we are on episode 30,000 right now um, <laughs> you know because again we're we're re-solidifying that we're you know just making sure you know that we're kind of covering all of that because there were so many of these 
encounters and so many that were actually impactful. Yeah, and then absolutely. Now we have that that turn of events as well with the with the pink guy and everything that uh, that I didn't know about. So that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, that's you know you hear about the the long term effects on you know on people like Marcella and it's it's easy to lose track of how how many people were affected by this and it's not Mothman is not just like a cute plushie you know what i mean like yeah. this was a series of events that really fucked up people forever like there are people whose lives were never the same because of what they experienced here in this time yeah yeah, I'd say that's I mean that's that's pretty obvious at this point, but uh Yeah. Yeah, no that's yeah. that's important to mention though. You know, and that's I mean people think of him as like a gift shop toy. You know what of I mean? Course. And it's of course it's so much it's so much darker and deeper than that. Which I personally I like that. You know, I like the darkness. Yeah. I like the That's why we wanted to cover Mothman like this. Right. Because it, we want people to realize that it is, there is so much more to it. It's, it's not just a cute bedtime story. This yeah. is the real deal. It's not like a shiny silver statue with a fat ass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it really, at really least affected once an episode. <laughs> yeah, you have to mention it at least once each episode. Yep. There you have it, and that concludes episode seventy-one. The Mothman Phenomenon Part 5, Battle for Point Pleasant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.